Hello and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast. My name is Robin Birkin. I'm the host of the Fertility Warriors podcast. I'm also the author of moderndaymisses.com as well as two books. One is called Screw Infertility, which is my memoir, my story of how my first child Chloe came to be, but more specifically how I survived the devastation uh, that fertility brings with it. I survived a miscarriage, I survived ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, lots of failed cycles, but I did come through it in the end. And spoiler alert, I came through it before I fell pregnant with my daughter Chloe. My other book is Fertility Warrior in the Kitchen, and I'll talk about that a little bit later because today what I am talking about is dairy products and fertility. And more specifically, how dairy products could be harming your fertility. Um, And I wouldn't go so far as to say causing your infertility because I think that's a really individual thing and we rely on the specialist to do that. But in many ways, harming your fertility and also your general health. If this were medieval times, I feel like you'd all be now looking at me going, boo, yes, throw her a rotten tomato because you're all probably thinking things like, how could I ever give up dairy? I don't know how I could ever give up dairy. I'm addicted to cheese. I love my cheese. What am I going to put in my coffee every morning if I don't put milk? And let me just tell you, I hear you. Not only do I hear you, I was you. That is exactly the thoughts that ran through my mind when my naturopath first said to me that I should go on an elimination diet in order to start prepping my body for baby making. And she went through this list. An elimination diet is where you cut out certain foods in totality. You can't just sneak some here and there. You cut them out for a minimum of three weeks and then very slowly, one by one, introduce them back into your diet again. Ideally, you want it to be at least three months, but you can do three weeks. And what you'll do is give, get, uh, eliminate all of these foods and then you will introduce back, for example, caffeine if you feel you need it on one day and then see how your body reacts and analyze how your body feels. And then if your body is fine, you say, okay, my body is tolerating that. If your body is not fine, you say, okay, well, obviously there is a problem with my body having caffeine and you then cut that back out again. Then wait a few days, then introduce another item and see how your body responds and so on and so forth. So my naturopath told me that I should cut out all of these things to, you know, like help me remove the bugs from my belly, release the toxins, get my digestive system repaired and functioning really well. Uh, And she said I needed to cut out these things for three months. And those things were caffeine, sugar, yeast, gluten, dairy, artificial sweeteners, alcohol, peanuts, fried food, soys, excess salt and prepackaged food. Dairy though, I was like, yep, I can do all of that, but no way. And 
For those of you who have been around me for long enough, you will know that I'm a vegetarian. And I was like, I eat dairy for breakfast, lunch and dinner. What am I going to eat if I can't eat cheese? And I was like, not doing it. I'll do all of the rest except dairy. And that was kind of how I continued. And then I read this book by Chris Carr and another book by Alicia Silverstone. And these books talked about giving up dairy and things like that. And I still wasn't convinced, but I start, kept reading more books and I kept watching more documentaries. And finally, um, I was, you know, like absolutely convinced in myself that I just needed to give up dairy. This needed to happen. And so I cut out, I went on the elimination diet essentially again. Uh, and this time was really, really strict about it. I cut out both gluten and dairy and I kept that up for four months. I continued not eating dairy for years because I felt so good after. And everybody is different. I firmly believe in bio-individuality in that our bodies um, all respond to different things. So what works for me might not work for you. But certainly at that time, I guess you could say I had a vegan diet and I'm really against labels and I'll tell you why in a minute. But that diet agrees with my body. I gave up dairy. I lost five kilos pretty much straight away without doing anything, without doing any exercise. Um, I, You know that feeling when you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my God, I just want another hour. When I gave up dairy, it was like I woke up like they do in the movies and I just open my eyes and think, okay, it's morning. Let's get up and roll around. Let's do this. Uh, and I just felt lighter, generally just so much better when I gave up dairy. I felt great and it certainly wasn't as hard as I thought that it was going to be. And that's sort of my story. So as we go through this podcast, uh, we'll talk about the why uh, in terms of why you should give up dairy. And then I'm going to talk as well about the how. So actually, how does one give up dairy? So if we start at the beginning, well, what is what, what are dairy products? So dairy products are any products that come from a cow. Uh, and I'm not talking about meat, I'm talking about like from the udder of a cow, the milk from a cow. So milk is essentially the breast milk of a cow, which is designed for baby cows, not really for baby humans. I always in my life wonder who is the first person ever that thought that it would be a good idea to eat or drink the breast milk of another creature. But anyway, that so obviously milk is something that is a dairy product cream is a dairy product cheese all kinds of cheese sour cream butter all of those things are classed as dairy products and then you start going into the more refined foods or products that are made from dairy and those include things like chocolate cakes pastas pizzas uh, all of those kind of things and if you look at the ingredients labels of a lot of foods. Milk is classed as an allergen so you can often quite readily identify what products have milk in and you'll often be quite surprised at how many products contain milk. So now we talk about why. 
why would you ever want to give up that sweet, sweet thing called cheese? Well, when we're talking about fertility, there are many, many reasons why we need to give it up. So I don't want to go into any kind of vegan propaganda in this because that is absolutely not what this is about, not about what this podcast is about. But if you look further for yourselves into dairy farming, you will see that the process is incredibly cruel to cows. And you certainly don't want to be loading your body from my perspective with any kind of negative emotions that might have been passed through the product through the product into you so like negative energy that may have come from the cow into you you certainly don't want that to be associated with anything that you're putting into your body um, but aside from the cruelty to cows the milk that you receive is often loaded with lots of hormones and antibiotics uh, and things like that and when we're trying for a baby we really want to minimize any of the environmental toxins that we're exposed to as possible. Uh, and more so, if we fall pregnant, we don't want to pass that on to our baby through the placenta. And there's studies that have come out that have shown that babies, when they are born, are already born with 200 chemicals in their body that has been passed down to them from the mother. And that's an insane figure. So where possible, we really, really want to minimize any kind of environmental toxins things like hormones antibiotics all of those kind of things that may be passed uh, into our bodies another reason and this is probably the reason that most of you will know is that dairy is highly acidic in our body when we consume dairy in order to counteract this acidity our body starts leaching calcium and other nutrients from our bones so even though we've been brought up thinking that dairy is what gives us calcium, it does, it contains a lot of calcium, but it actually leaves us deficient in calcium because the amount of calcium our body needs to counteract the acidity is more than what we receive in the form of this dairy. So, and if you ever think to yourself, no, that can't be true, I would urge you to have a look at the rates of osteoporosis in countries all around the world. Uh, and there's lots of different countries who don't eat any dairy at all, particularly Asian countries and a lot of African countries, and have a look at their levels of osteoporosis. And you'll often find that, you know, and even things like hip fractures, that their rates of osteoporosis are much, much lower than ours and have a look at the countries that have the highest rates of osteoporosis and associate that with their dairy intake and go from there. Another thing is that about 60 to 70% of the estrogen that people consume from external sources is from dairy. And when you are talking about fertility and things like that, you don't want anybody else's hormones muddying the waters of your hormones. You want your body to be producing things in as natural a capacity as it can rather than absorbing um, things like estrogen from other sources. Um, if you are into Chinese traditional medicine and we all um, or many of us are believers in acupuncture when it comes to fertility, they believe that dairy products can cause damp, which is inflammation in our body. And that's sort of similar to 
um, dairy products being acidic in our body. We want to keep our bodies where possible in a mildly alkaline state, which comes from eating things like leafy greens and lots of vegetables and fruits and things like that. Another reason is that a sugar found in milk called galactose has been shown to exist in high quantities of the bodies of women with infertility and high rates of milk consumption have been linked with decreased fertility. Many of you out there may be familiar with the nurses study and this is one of the largest studies ever done on sort of nutrition and things like that and they actually recommended in that study that women do eat some dairy but the problem with that study, there's many problems, is that in that study they only looked at whether women who weren't ovulating then started to ovulate. So they only really looked at sort of one kind of thing. Uh, and other studies have shown that too much milk or protein can cause issues with uterine lining and implantation. If you follow me for a while, you will know that I am not a fan, and this could be quite controversial, of ketogenic and low carb diets for fertility, because I do believe that too much protein can be really harmful for us and certainly some studies have shown um, that that can have an impact on our uterine lining and our implantation. A bit of a back note is that I was myself once on a ketogenic diet uh, and it, I really don't feel that it ever agreed with my body in the right way. It, in some ways it felt like it did. I lost a little bit of weight but not that much weight. Uh, I felt a bit lighter but not that much lighter. Uh, etc etc and it's certainly not a long-term thing that you would want to do um, but then if we have a look at people who might have something like PCOS or an insulin resistance which is often associated with PCOS dairy products uh, often cause a high uh, glycemic load in our body when we talk about the glycemic index the trouble with the glycemic index is that it only measures the carbohydrates in a product um, whereas if you have a look at the insulin index that actually has a look at how that raises uh, your blood sugar levels uh, and for people on a with insulin resistance and with who might have that cause which is caused by PCOS uh, the problem is that what you want to do is maintain a really steady blood sugar level and studies have shown that things like a tub of yogurt which is also a dairy product can cause a higher blood sugar spike than two pieces of bread white bread so you really want to be careful of eating dairy products if you have something like polycystic ovarian syndrome uh, or if you are carrying a bit of extra weight and believe that you may have some issues with insulin resistance now the very last reason uh, why I believe that dairy could be harming your fertility is because it's estimated that about 75% of the world's population have an intolerance to dairy. So this is where we start talking about inflammation again uh, and intolerances to foods can create inflammation in our gut and so much research is coming out about our guts now and that the health of our gut is one of the most important aspects of our health 
something like 70 to 80% of our immune system resides in our gut. They call it the second brain because there is so much going on there. And when your gut is out of whack, it can completely throw out your hormones. It can stop you from absorbing nutrients. So any hard work that you're doing, eating all of these multivitamins and keeping a really good diet could be for nothing. Um, and women with food intolerances have also been shown to be more likely to miscarry. So when we're looking at intolerances, or sometimes we might be looking at tolerances, uh, and for me, I think that sometimes our bodies are intolerant to something, but they have over time learnt to sort of tolerate it. So they're not screaming from the rafters that this is making you really ill, but you're just not functioning at your best. And I feel like that's certainly true for me when it comes to dairy. And if you think of dairy like a office friend called Bob, who's actually not really your friend because he cycles to work and then doesn't shower. So he has this lingering BO that just lingers in your office every time he comes to talk to you. He taps really loudly on his keyboard and he chews chewing gum all day and leaves like eats food at his desk and then just chucks it in his bin and eats tuna for lunch and he's just the most annoying co-worker ever in your office so if you have a think about what you're going to do with that co-worker so many people would just be a peacekeeper and do nothing so many of us some of us would quit our job some of us would kick up a stink Bob and so if you think of your body some of your bodies might kick up a real stink every time you have dairy some of our bodies though might tolerate it even though we are intolerant to Bob and his stinky BO um, you just be a peacekeeper you go about your work you go home and you do your thing your body might not be functioning at its best because of your dairy consumption, um, but your body tolerates it or it will exist with it. And when we talk about giving up specifically dairy and gluten, it's really something that you can't cheat on either. Um, because if you think of the body like an immune response, so although you're not allergic to dairy and gluten, if you have an intolerance, you certainly are um, more or less if you have something like celiac disease. But if you think of someone who would be allergic to peanuts, even a whiff of peanuts can set off an immune response in their body. So in a different way, if you have a little bit of gluten or dairy while your body is trying to repair your gut, it starts throwing it all out again um, and almost has to sort of start again uh, throughout that process. So certainly while you're on an elimination diet, you really want to be strict about cutting out those foods. And that, I can imagine, sounds pretty hard. First up, let me just say, I promise you, you will thank me later. And I promise you that it's not as hard as it seems. But I'm going to go through now and give you some hacks and some ways to make 
doing an elimination diet or specifically giving up gluten and dairy, um, most specifically dairy, um, easier for you. Uh, so one thing that really, really helped me when I was going through this change, well, one thing that helped was watching the documentary Earthlings on YouTube. It's horrific though, so perhaps you don't need to do that. Uh, but one thing <laughs> that really helped me was making sure that I had three to four go-to options for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. Things that I wanted to eat and could easily make. Not like things that I just picked for out of a uh, recipe book and then went, this is what I'm gonna do, and then just went for it. The things that I had cooked before. So you might want to, you know, maybe you're gonna find them in a recipe book or something like that, then get it out, cook it a couple of times, be familiar with it, know it, and things like that. And you wanna have like three to four go-to options of things uh, that you want to eat and can easily make uh, for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. Uh, and to me, that really helped. So that way, you're not really deprived because you know what you can eat. I don't feel like a smoothie. Okay, then um, I'm going to have a fruit salad for breakfast. So you've really, you know, got several different options. I don't feel like that. Okay, I'm going to have oatmeal with almond milk for breakfast. And it doesn't need to be a complex Michelin star meal for every meal. Keep it simple, you know, like for those of you who might eat meat, have it just a steak and a salad. It's that easy uh, to do. So I know you're thinking still, this is a bit crazy. Let's just start with a few things uh, that you can do. So let's start with milk. Milk is one of the number one easiest things to give up, I promise. Um, and I, these days, I have gone back to eating cheese, uh, but that is because I have now finished my baby making and um, I'm having a break. You don't, something else to consider is that you don't need to do this forever. It's not going to be like you would never have cheese again, but you are in this to win this. You want a baby, don't you? You really want a baby more than anything in the world. So the sacrifice that you may have to make is you may have to make some lifestyle changes for a while. And you can always stop and start, uh, but you really need to give it about three weeks for egg health and also sperm health. So sperm is one of the easiest things to turn around, uh, provided that men put in the lifestyle changes as well. Uh, and 90 days is what you need to really improve the health and the quality of the eggs, not the quantity, the quality of the eggs, uh, and both the quantity and quality of sperm. Uh, so hot drinks, what did I do for coffee and things like that? Milk is one of the things that I have never taken back up again. I cannot even imagine what a coffee would taste like with cow's milk in. Um, I would, if I went out to a restaurant or something like that, I would have soy milk, but certainly at home, I would just have it black. So no milk at all. It takes a while to get used to, but now I can't imagine it any other way and now I can imagine that if I had tasted it it would taste funny. In terms of things like your morning smoothie and things like that my go-to is almond milk and when you make your own almond milk it comes out so perfectly white and fluffy it's amazing. 
So basically what I do is I'll grab a handful of almonds and soak them overnight in water. The next day, drain that water and put them in the blender with some fresh uh, filtered water and a pinch of salt and then blend them in a high speed blender and then put them in a nut milk bag and strain it. They're delicious. So you can use them for all, almond milk for all sorts of things for your porridge, for your smoothies. If you feel like you would like it for your coffee, you could do it for your coffee, uh, but all sorts of things. And if you haven't given almond milk a try, please do. Uh, then if you have a look at cheese, you could make your own cheese. You really need to try cashew cream. Vegan, not vegan, dairy, no dairy, whatever it is, you need to try cashew cream. It's the best thing ever. So basically, it's just cashews blended with water. And you can always mix in sometimes macadamias if you want it to be a bit richer. You can mix in salt. You can mix in all sorts of other things. Um, but depending on how much water you add, it can be like a creamy paste. So like a cheese spread on crackers and things like that. Or if you add quite a lot of water, then it can be like a creamy pasta sauce. And if you add things like my next magic ingredient, nutritional yeast, then that takes the cheesiness to a whole new level. Nutritional yeast is like these yellow flakes that you add to things. You add them, I, um, add them as a seasoning on kale chips. You can add them in, certainly if you make a cashew cream, you add them into the sauce and it makes the sauce taste really cheesy. It's not actually a yeast though, like an active yeast. Um, it's just these yellow flakes that kind of taste cheesy it's actually really nutritious for you and it gives everything a kind of nutty flavor it's really long life in your pantry uh, and really delicious you know even just as a seasoning on as i say things like kale chips if you're having trouble my next piece of advice is to go ethnic so as i mentioned before when we were talking about osteoporosis there are so many cultures in the world that don't eat any dairy at all. And if you think of Japanese food, for example, that's one place, you know, where you can try out or Chinese food, lots of different Asian food that you can try that doesn't contain any dairy as well. So instead of going to an Italian restaurant, look the other way and try and find something a little bit different. The next thing that I will say is that Yes, there are so many vegan cheeses out there, but they're never going to taste exactly the same as normal cheese. A coffee with almond milk is never going to taste the same as a coffee with cow's milk. So you need to understand that substitution is never always going to pan out exactly the same way. So, but it's not always a bad thing. Um, so you don't have to always have an exact substitute. You don't always have to, um, you know, find a pizza that uses vegetarian cheese. How about just don't have pizza and have a stir fry instead? Um, and as I say, it doesn't have to be forever. So, you know, instead of looking at a thousand and one ways to have a dairy free croissant with cheese for breakfast, why don't you just have a smoothie or some poached eggs uh, or a fruit salad or something like that? 
certainly there are lots of different things that you can do when you give up dairy and I know that you are probably all under the pump with the list of often contradicting things uh, when it comes to lifestyle changes that you should make to improve your fertility but I really do encourage you to see how your body reacts when it is not consuming dairy because I feel like based on the stats here that I've just shared with you of you know up to 75% of the population having an intolerance to dairy and the way that I felt when I gave up dairy I certainly feel like you will thank me later and when it comes to fertility all I want for you is the same as what you want for you and that is a big fat two lines on a pregnancy test uh, and so I am therefore passionate about sharing what I know with you. If this information has been helpful to you and you would like to know what other lifestyle changes you can make, I have my book, as I mentioned before, called Fertility Warrior in the Kitchen. And I talk about all sorts of things. I talk about caffeine, gluten, my take on soy. Uh, I share a whole bunch of recipes of things that you can try for you know breakfast, lunch and dinner. I talk about the nutrients that are important for fertility and for conception, as well as some everyday superfoods. I most certainly have not listed a whole bunch of 100 ingredient, $100 smoothie ingredients and things like that. I'm talking everyday superfoods that you can incorporate into your diet that will uh, improve fertility. So it's 92 pages. It's jam-packed with information and it's an ebook, so that means you can have it instantly to download uh, and read on your device and absorb that information, look back over again and again if you would like to. And if you are interested in purchasing that book, you can go to moderndaymrs.com slash product slash kitchen. And that is where you'll find more details on what is contained in the book, a few photos uh, of what the inside of the book looks like. Uh, it's an ebook, uh, but that's something certainly for you to have a look at. moderndaymrs.com slash product slash kitchen. Thank you so much for listening to the Fertility Warriors podcast. As always, I hope that this is a safe place for you a place where we share advice and tips on how to survive infertility and how to maximize our chances of falling pregnant. Particularly in our Facebook group, we are one big community where we are all here for each other. And as always, I am sending you lots and lots of baby dust. I will catch you at the next episode. Bye.